this morning Heavenly Father we've just sensed your Holy Spirit here already and Lord we now just are asking you to take control of every part of every word and every thought Lord we know that by the preaching of the word enemy that demon spirits are cast out we know that the word establishes the word will endure forever Heavens and earth will pass away, but your word will never fail. Lord, we have many needs in our midst, and we want to ask you just in a very special way to go up and down the aisles, go into the homes, go into the different places. Lord, I yield my vessel to you the best I know how. Lord, I pray that every heart would be yielded, for we don't know what you will do. Lord, we love you, and we're looking forward to what you have for us. Bless the people now. Lord, may you come, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. We're a little longer on the preliminaries this morning, but I wanted to share that. It's sure a part of what we do. I'll invite you to turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 22. Genesis, chapter 22. We are going to carry on with the thought of the prevailing seed. This will be part five. And uh, let's just take this couple of scriptures. I, I likely had a lot more than I really wanted to get somewhere this morning. But I, uh, I'm going to, as I was just having everything ready, I realized I probably prepared more for a service I wouldn't preach today. But I just want to be conscious the Lord just checked me and stopped me on something, but we'll carry on with this next week also. Genesis 22, let's pick up verses one and two. It came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, behold, here I am. And he said, take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac. Now, God saw only one. Now he did, he acknowledged Ishmael, but he said, take, this is the promised son. When thou, whom thou lovest, he knew that he loved him, get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. Now we can go through the whole story, but let's go to verse 15. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time. And he said, by myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thine son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. 
God bless his word. You may have your seats. We know that Abraham, he went through a process. He went through a justification in Genesis 12, a sanctification in Genesis 15. We touched on it last week, the baptism of the Holy Ghost in Genesis 17. But now in Genesis 22, you could say this was full obedience now. And because of what Abraham did, God witnessed a confirmation in him that would carry down through his seed. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 59. We read this a few weeks back. I'm just going to use this to keep our thoughts going. I'll try and be concise and focused on what the Lord has. Verse 19, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Now, I want you to think about God does never forget his word. Once it's uttered, it is good for every circumstance, every situation, anything we encounter, you can apply God's word and it is guaranteed if we take the right mental attitude. And we live in perilous times. But the promise to Abraham and to his seed still remains. You will possess the gate of your enemy. And Isaiah here talks about the enemies coming in like a flood. And he says, but the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard. Verse 20. And the Redeemer shall come to Zion and unto them that turn from transgression. In Jacob saith the Lord, as for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord. My spirit which is upon me and my words which I have put in thy mouth shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, seed, saith the Lord, from henceforth and forever. One more um, before, well, I've got a number of scriptures, but this is just to, I can introduce the thought after this. And Jesus, this is in Matthew 16, in verse 17, we had taken this thought in some services, and I'm going to bring it in today again. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. So we're not just talking about word, but we're talking about spiritually revealed word. The revelation will give you the victory. There is nothing of such prevailing power as revelation. And I'd say it is revelation that will give you authority over the devil. We need revelation more than we've ever needed before. We need it more, I would say, than, than all kinds of meetings and all kinds of information. We live in an information overload. But I'll tell you, we need the spiritually revealed word to give us what we have need of in this hour. So he says, flesh and blood has not revealed it. Verse 18, I say unto you, you're Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. 
whatsoever thou shalt loose shall be on earth, shall be loosed in heaven. I believe Brother Max used that scripture the other day. And uh, it was really interesting as he was ministering. I thought he gave Peter those words, and it wasn't too long after in the book of Acts. Peter was in jail, and while he was in jail, you know, what did they do? They, 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 they had disciples mounted an attack on the jail. They, they, they're they're going to figure out a way to get Peter out. How, what did they do? They used what was in their mouth. They used the word. They uttered it in prayer. They gathered a prayer meeting, and God moved. God moved at such a way that the keys, the keys to unlock that prison door was in their mouth. It wasn't a natural thing. It was a spiritual thing. And those keys are in our hands today. There is a prayer weapon that we need to employ more and more. Now I want to speak this morning, Brother Adam spoke a number of uh, different messages on possessing the gate of the enemy, but I want to Entitled this, Focused on Possessing the Gate for This Day. And I I need you just to give me a little grace this morning. The prevailing seed is an overcoming seed. It is stronger than any other seed. There's attributes associated with the seed that go directly to the end. As we minister on Wednesday, what is your beginning? What is your end? By knowing that, it gives you strength in the middle of your journey. Sometimes you know who you are. Two books that are so needed in this day, Genesis and Revelations. Two books that the enemy so hates. But they're our lifeline. Now, I'm going to just for a moment as an introduction, I want you to If you don't recognize this already, and I I believe that in this last year, we have seen the intensity of the enemy ramp up like never before. Revelations 12, verse 12, we read this. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, you that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has but a short time. I believe that with all my heart. I, I don't know, you, you might not run into him, but I run into him every day. And I believe if you're a seed of God, you know that he's there. You run into him, and it's a good sign, actually, that you're on the right path. Amen. I want to go back to the book of Daniel, chapter 11. I want to read a little portion of this, but I'm giving a bit of an overview in the message today. I'm setting up really for next week, if I can say that, but that doesn't mean there won't be something good. This, this, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Revelation chapter, or Daniel chapter 11. Now Daniel such a, was such a prophet, but he says this in verse 1. In the first year of Darius the Mede, did, um, Daniel served under four kings in the time of Babylon. And, 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 and he saw also a precursor of a bigger picture. So he's there, he says, in the first year of Darius, the Mede, even I stood to confirm, to strengthen him, and now I will show thee the truth. Now this is spiritually revealed truth. There shall stand up yet three kings in Persia. The fourth will be far richer than they all, 
And by his strength, through his riches, he shall stir up against the realm of Grisha, and a mighty king shall stand up and shall rule with great dominion and do according to his will. Now, you would have to remember that Daniel saw a vision of an image that had a head of gold, had a breastplate of silver, had thighs of, of, uh, of, uh, of brass, and then down to feet of iron, and at the end mixed with clay. But they represented four kingdoms, which was the Babylonian kingdom, the Medes and the Persians, the Grecians, and then Rome, and Rome, which in the end becomes papal Rome. And that's the fourth image. That, that fourth kingdom, while it doesn't exist in the way it did naturally, it's existing in more power today than it ever has been. Never lose sight of that. Now, I'm, 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 I'm doing this a little bit on the tales of last week, which was the natural types the spiritual. And you really need to focus. The, the battle is not so much what you see with your eyes. It's a spiritual battle that we're in. So Daniel, he, he says this in this. You could read through all of this, but we'll drop down to verse 36. And he's talking about this fourth king. And he spends all this time on this fourth king. We're under that right now. And the king shall do according to his will. He shall exalt himself. He shall magnify himself above every god. You can read this in 1 Thessalonians. He shall speak marvelous thing against the god of gods. And he shall prosper until the indignation be accomplished. Till the cup of iniquity is full. And that which is determined shall be done. Neither shall he regard the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard any God. For he shall magnify himself above all. But in his estate shall he honor the God of forces. And a God whom his fathers knew not shall he honor with gold and silver and with precious stones and pleasant things. Thus shall he do in the most strongholds with a strange God whom he shall acknowledge and increase with glory. And he shall cause them to rule over many and shall divide the land for gain. So Daniel is, he shows, he tells what, with this fourth kingdom, he shows an end of it. Now, I'm going to back up a couple of verses to 34. Now, I, I brought this in because it's determined that he was to be here. This power was going to be here. But God also knew we would be here. He knew you and I would be here. And he wants us to be aware of what's around us. Let's not look. Let's never get caught up with just a political battle. Let's never get caught up with just morality issues or social injustices. That's not what we're here for. The, the main enemy that we have, and, and, and Brother Bannon would speak in the time when communism was on everybody's mind. He said, don't worry about communism. He said, you fear Romanism. That's still what we got to keep our focus on. Now he said this, verse 34. Now when they shall fall, they shall be helping with a little help, but many shall cleave to them with flatteries. And some of them understanding shall fall to try, try them and to purge them, to make them white, even to the time of the end. But, and, and because it is yet for a time appointed, we can, we can engage in a fight against the systems around us. But if God has allowed them to be here, it's meaningless. That's, this is not our, 
I, I go back to Matthew chapter 6. I, I often pray this even in the morning, and I make this the, the sort of the framework of my prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven. The next verses are, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Yeah, I can pray and say, you know, there was a time when we stood for, you know, politics and rules that came against us. But I'll tell you, increasingly my prayer is, even so, come Lord Jesus, come. I think we got to watch our focus. This, this is on my heart since we got shut down. This is focus on what, what God has for us. Now, I want to back up another verse or two if I can. Let's go back to verse 32. And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. So now this isn't a forceful thing. This is an enticing thing like the enemy was at the beginning. And I, I love this next part. So there's all this in the, these flatteries. But he says, but the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. I believe we're part of that people. I believe we're not dismayed by everything that's coming. I believe we can stand in the face of opposition and say, I don't have the strength to change anything. But the God I serve, the, sim the, the message I am a part of, this message will stay. It will prosper. It will lead us into a millennium. I believe you ought to, we ought to have that kind of faith. We don't need to be governed by fear. What's going to come? What, they're gonna, are, are they going to take our charitable donation status away? I don't know what they'll do. But that's not my business. My business is the kingdom of God. Now let's go back to Daniel chapter 7. This will parallel some of what we just said. But I really want to make the point of where we're at. Daniel chapter 7, and again, reading from verse 1, and 1 to 3, in the, in the first year of Belteshar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. He wrote the dream and he told the sum of the matters. And he said, I saw in my vision, behold, four winds of the heavens drove upon the great sea, and four great beasts came from the sea, diverse from one another. He will talk about in verse 4 of a lion, verse 5 of a, another one like a bear, verse 6 like a leopard, and then in verse 7 he talks about uh, another one that he says that was a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, strong exceedingly, great iron teeth, it devoured and broke in pieces, stamped the residue with the feet of it, and it was diverse from the beasts that were before it, it had ten horns." Now, I, I'm, I don't want to get into all the symbology. I'm really trying to pick up the spirit behind it this morning. He also goes then to say this in verse 10, verse 9. And I beheld till the thrones were cast down. The ancient of days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was like a fiery flame, his wheels like a burning fire. And a fiery stream issued and came from before him thousands Thousand thousands ministered unto him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set. The books were opened. If you can look in the lines there, the bride is mentioned there and the church is mentioned there. 
There's one group of people that minister to the Lord. One group of people that are here on business for the king. There's a whole other, there's all kinds of other things going on. But we got one, one business. I'm here for the Lord. I'm here to minister him. I'm here to worship him. To walk with him. To pray to him. That's my one. That's the one I, I, I need more than anything. We'll drop down to verse 12. As concerning the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. So I'm saying there are things that are going to be. There are things that have been prophesied. There's things that are happening. Verse 17. These great beasts, which, which are four, are four kings which shall arise out of the earth. And, and, and now in verse 19. And the truth, I would, I would, then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was diverse from all the others, exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron, whose nails of brass, he devoured, he broke in pieces, he stamped the residue with his feet, and of the ten horns that were in his head, and of the others they came up, and before whom three fell, even of the horn that had eyes and a mouth that spoke very great things, and at the end, it carried, you know, it's, it's symbolic, but it said, his look was more stout than his fellows. In other words, he was a much more bullish kind of an individual that you would look at. And, and it says in verse 21, And I beheld in the same horn, made war with the saints, and prevailed against them. Now we're using this prevailing, but, but just bear with me. Drop down to verse 23. The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, diverse from all the other kingdoms, devour the whole earth, break, tread it down, break it into pieces. And ask a question. Do you all believe the world is falling apart? Did you ever think what's causing it, what's behind it? There's a beast. There's an anointing that's out there that has come and, and, it, and it's bringing everything. I, I, if this is not the tribulation... I tell you, I sure don't want to be here when the tribulation comes. Because the world is going insane. People are going insane. We are affected. And if we ever have a time that we ought to draw nigh, draw nigh to God, draw nigh to one another, encourage one another, be in prayer, this is the time. Verse 25, and he shall speak great words against the Most High. He shall... And shall wear out the saints of the Most High. I'll tell you what, I don't always feel like I'm on top of the world. There's times I feel like, when will this be over? I am sick and tired of what's around me. I'm sick and tired of, and I, I, I listen, we're human, but I'm talking about keeping our focus. I'm not, I'm not happy about regulations. I'm not happy about masks. I'm not happy about, about having to have distance. I'm not happy. And, and I get, I'm a human as well. In fact, yeah, I'll just, confession's good. I was just out yesterday. I stopped in the mall, stopped just for a little bite to eat, walked into a food court, and they say, check in at the central station. I checked in at the central station. Can I see a card, and can I see your ID, and you can eat here if you got this, and, and, and such. And okay, that's what they want from the central station. So then I, I went, and then you're kind of gated in a seating area. Okay, I want to get something to eat. So I snuck behind the gate, got something to eat, snuck back in, and all of a sudden the guy comes back, and he says, what are you doing? He says, I just checked in. And he says, well, he says, you got food and you snuck in. And I go, I go what is this, a military camp? Right. <laughs> okay, but then as I sat there 
I realized he's not the guy. There's a spirit behind all of this. And I actually said I was wrong in my attitude. Okay? I was wrong. And I actually had a bite to eat, and I went back to him, and I said, you know, sir, you were doing your job. I apologize. I shouldn't have reacted that way. And I think, as the Bible said, submit yourself to every ordinance of man for God's sake. This is not, this is maybe not, he, that security guard wasn't my enemy. He was a tool. The enemy is a spiritual enemy. That's the one we got to look for. So we've got to learn to have our focus on what God wants. Are, are, Are we here? Okay. What are we here for? Let's go to 2 Timothy for, oh no, I didn't, I finished, I read you all of these grievous things. I forgot, I I took a couple of scriptures out. Because I, as much as this fourth beast is here, there was a couple of things sprinkled in. Just go back to verse 18. But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. So as much as that, that beast is here for now, I got a promise. Drop down to verse 22. Until the ancient of days came and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. It may not be yet that time, but it's going to be. It will be. Then in verse 27. And the kingdom and dominions and the greatness of the kingdom under... The, under the whole of heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. I, I love these promises. These are my promises. I, I, I recognize that's, that beast and that anointing, and that's all around us, but I'm focused on my promise. I'm not focused on, uh, God will take care of him, but my focus has got to stay on one thing. Go with me to 2 Timothy 3. I, I'm using... The symbology, I just want to take it down to, this is a very familiar scripture, more applicable than ever before, than we've, we've ever had in our lives. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Now, I don't know what Paul thought when he was writing this, but he said, I know that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Now, I, 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 you, you could read that, and you, I, I as a child grew up around the message, I always heard of what would be coming. I always heard that there was going to be a mark of the beast, and, and I thought, okay, we've got to watch out for that thing. And, and so I remember when the bank cards came out, and, 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 and you had to have your name and use the bank card, there was a whole bunch of resistance to these bank cards, because could this be the mark? And then as, as time went on, when, when they had these barcodes, and these, I don't want to pay that way. You know, and, and they talked about a cashless society. So there's always been things around us. Because we're always humans, we're thinking about, oh, it could be this way, it could be this way. But what we need to recognize is God fulfills his word by bringing it to pass. All you need to do, you don't need to figure it out, you don't need to use your intellect, you don't need to scour the internet for every little bit of detail about a subject, you need to focus on God. You need to focus on the word. You need to focus on what God has for us. We need to be about the Father's business. Don't enter into the path that Eve entered into, which was reason. 
You find a website to justify your position on one, you can find a half a dozen on the other. And you know, really, Brother Adam spoke a wonderful message. It's called spiritual amnesia. And really, he said, what is spiritual amnesia? Caught between two opinions. How are you going to get caught between? Because you're trying to figure it out yourself. Trust in God. Lean on Him. Pray to Him. He'll lead you through. Perilous times will come. Here's the fulfillment. Perilous times. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. <laughs> wow. Do you think that spirit, because you're in the message, it doesn't come in here? <laughs> no, it comes in here. It comes around the message. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. What's the reciprocal of that? Meek, humble, hung, humble. Out of that comes your strength. Not because you, you have louder words and you have better rationale. No, it comes from the Lord. A little woman who's 98 pounds, prayed up, is stronger than a 250-pound man who's not. Why? Because she's got the Spirit of God. He says, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. I, I'm, I'm just brushing over these so quickly. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. If you would go back 50 years, 60 years when Brother Branham was here, and you, and you would read that, you would think, wow, we're there. But I'll tell you what, you read it today, and you'd go, how much further has it gone? It has gone so much further. Having a form of godliness, here's the dangerous thing, having a form of godliness. A religious spirit, but denying the power of from such fight tooth and nail. No, turn away. Turn away. Drop down to verse 13. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Is it going to get better? No, it's going to get worse and worse. But I'm not here defending social justice. I'm not here dealing with the morality of the people. I'm not here for politics. I'm here for God, for the Word of God. And whatever I need for the Word of God, God said, your seed shall possess the gate of the enemy. So keep your focus. Verse 14 while all these things are happening, Timothy, evil men, seducers, waxing worse, what am I supposed to do? Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Ah, it's so good to put on a tape once in a while. So good to go for a walk and be in the bush and raise your hands and worship God. It's so good to kneel down in prayer. It's so good to get together with believers. It's so good to come to church. It's so good to see your faces, half of them anyway. It's so good to be here. Thank God for all these things. Now, I'm going to just read a couple of things because I, I, I want to, I want to pick, pick this up. Okay, where am I here? Brother Branham would, would, would say this, and I, I, I want to 
I want to really, we focus a lot on the natural, but we need to stay on the spiritual. God needed a leader for the church. So he sent tremendous men in the church that we would all follow. Actually, that's not what he said. He didn't educate a bishop. He didn't send a high priest or a pope. He sent the Holy Ghost. Men die. Their systems die. But the Holy Ghost is the eternal God. He cannot die. He gave them the eternal leader, which is the Holy Ghost. They needed something to guide them, something to tell them what to do, how to live, how to meet the public. That's what came on me yesterday after my flesh had riled up and said, the Holy Ghost came and said, you spoke wrong. And I said, thank you, Lord. I'll apologize. Listen to how Brother Branham puts it. We just finished reading 2 Timothy, fierce, incontinent. He says, how, what to do, the Holy Ghost will guide you, tell you what to do, how to live, how to meet the public, how to meet the fierceness of this day. Is it fierce? It absolutely is. Are you going to combat it with fierceness, or are you going to combat it with the Spirit of God? He said, how to combat sickness, how to combat this, how to combat sin. Man has drawn all kinds of ways, all kinds of documents and baptisms and sensations, and, but still the Holy Ghost is God's provided way for his church. And the Holy Ghost is God, and God is the Word, and the Holy Ghost is the Word made fully vindicated. The Holy Ghost is the thing that brings the promised Word to life. In 1962, this is now, as Brother Branham, I would just say, as the vessel has been prepared, he is now preparing for that which God had in his mind for him all the time. He was to fulfill, he wasn't just a gift that was going to have a first and second pull. He wasn't just going to lead a healing campaign, but he was being tailored for God to focus on one thing. And if you actually look at the last few months of 1962, the things Brother, went, Brother Branham went through, how he missed a vision, how he says it was because he was scared of what people were, or because of some of the young men were saying about Brother Bud, and he says, and then he realized he did wrong because he disobeyed God. Now, this was just a little thing that you and I wouldn't think about, but God had so prepared that vessel, and now he comes to the end of 1962, he had preached that morning on, sirs, is this the time? And now in the evening, he preaches the New Year's message called the contest. And he said, this great contest has been going on for many years. It started in heaven. Satan was kicked out. He became an enemy to God's people, and since then he's used all his strength and strategy to try to pull God's people across the fires or into his fires. But who has the most power? God does. And God gave his people the best thing to combat Satan. That was his word. The word is God. Who's stronger than God? The word is God. The word becomes our strength. God in the church becomes its strength to pull Satan into his own fires. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> oh, God is... Let me just... I just want to make sure the devil's listening. Are you listening? I want you just to remember in, Mo, in, in the time of Moses. You know how you tried to get... 
you had sent an anointing to kill all the young Hebrew children. And you sent that anointing and, and all of them under two years. And what it did, it forced Moses, it forced, it forced um, Amram and Jochebed to send that little ark out into the Nile. And that ark floated, floated right into Pharaoh's household. And while all the children were being killed there, God was raising up a deliverer right in Pharaoh's household. Oh, he so makes a mockery of you. <laughs> He's the same God today. <laughs> I, he can turn any trial into sweetness. God knows what he's doing. I'll tell you what, sometimes we got situations we're dealing with, I don't know how to do it. I'll tell you what, commit it to God. I don't know what they're going to do with my job. Commit it to God. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what's going to happen to my children. Commit it to God. Because if we jump in on our own, we're sure to mess it up. But if God comes and does it, it will be everlasting. It will be forever. That's who I'm looking to rise up. That's the one I'm looking for. Hallelujah. He's wonderful. So he, Brother Adam tells this in the contest. Now, he says this as he's going into 1963. He said, so my opinion, we need to know our enemy. Train for the contest because you're going to meet him. And know what his strength is, then train for the contest when you meet him. One thing is, for sure, you're going to meet him. Now, training this is like a boxer. His enemy is going out to, in there the contest, a real good fighter. He studies and knows his opponent. He studies his licks. He says, he, he sees whether he fight, whether he leans backward, hangs back, fights right-handed or left-handed. He studies all this. Now, there's somebody that's been studying you and me. He knows what buttons to push with each one of us. He knows that if, if he wants to, to, to deal with you, and remember, you're only as strong as your weakest link. So whatever you're strong in and you think you got it covered, the enemy's not working on that level. He's working on some place behind. And if, if, if your nature is, well, I get discouraged easy, he's going to throw anything he can to get discouraged. If you're emotional, he'll throw anything he can as emotional. If your nature is to pick up and fight, he'll do something to get you to fight in a way that he doesn't want you to. But the enemy knows which buttons to push. He knows your weakness, if it's women, if it's, if it, if it's popularity, if it's, if it's money, whatever it is, he knows it and he's constantly at your feet. So when it happens, recognize it and say, hold on, I know who that is. That's not God. God's not against me. That's the enemy against me. And I will not succumb to it. Though God slay me, I will not trust him. I, I, I will trust him. Though the enemy does everything against me, I'll trust in God to deliver me. Because he will not suffer me against any temptation above which I'm able to bear. So Brother Adam goes on to say, now you have to train your enemy, uh, train against your enemy. God uses the word. We must remember God uses the word to defeat the enemy. I was just thinking of a scripture that God had made real to me many years ago. I haven't seen the fulfillment of it, but I just thought of Samuel. I thought of Samuel as he was a prophet. All of Israel knew he was going to be a prophet. His very beginning with his mother, uh, Hannah, and how she came and she gave him to the Lord. He was raised in the house of, uh, of Eli, and he heard the voice of God speaking and finally told Eli what it said. And then the Bible uses this little word, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. 
Oh, that we would be such a people that we would not let any of those words fall to the ground. And I reminded, and I was just thinking of unfulfilled words and how at different times in the Old Testament, how God remembered how, how Amalek treated Israel as they were coming out. And the Bible says, and God remembered Amalek and they brought judgment against them for that. So God remembers his word both for bad and for good. It was David who had made a pact with Saul, the mouth that spoke a covenant between Jonathan and David. And he says, and David said, uh, I, 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 you and I are going to be like brothers. And then Saul and David, Saul and Jonathan passed away. And, and it was years later, all of a sudden, David remembers and he says, is there anything left of the house of Saul? But he said, Jonathan, that I might show kindness. Who moved on him? God watches over his word. And if God made something real to you, hang on to it and say, Lord, this word remains unfulfilled in my life. And remind God of his word. That's how you pray. That's how you seek God. And say, Lord, this word is unfulfilled. It's in my heart. You gave it to me. Let me, let me see it come to pass. I believe that's the kind of people that we ought to be, that God is training now he says, it's an actual power. God is God, Satan is Satan. Don't tell me there's no devil because I run into him every day. It's not psychology, it's not education, but you've got to be trained by the Holy Spirit. God power in his word to make it manifest. Now I'm just going to finish one more part here before I jump into this. He's finishing his prayer in the contest in 1962, the final prayer as he goes into 63. Make us fit servants, forgive our past, bless our future, guide us, Lord God, with thy mighty hand, bless these ministers, we are your servants and we give ourselves wholly to you for 1963, that the power of your spirit might have more preeminences in our life and in our being. Forgive us and help us, raise up mighty men, raise up mighty warriors of the faith, now listen, Open this year, Lord, the hidden manna, the rock beneath the rock, that we might see the program of God. Now, I, I, I'm going to just, just jump at something here, and I'm, I'm, now I'm just going to really need to rely on the Lord for how I take the service. There, there is, I've, had, I've held this, I've made reference to it, but Brother Branham talks about the plan of God through the ages. He says, here's the plan of it. There's an announcement in the heavens. What happens? A seal is opened. A mystery is unfolded. And when a mystery unfolds, a trumpet sounds and it declares a war. A church age is opened. What is the war part? The angel of the church catches the mystery of God, not fully yet revealed. But when he does, he catches this mystery, and he goes forth to the people after the mystery has been given to him. He goes forth to the people, and what does it do? He begins to proclaim the message, and what does it start? A war, a spiritual war. So in every age... When a messenger went out and caught it, 
What you didn't see, there, there was a natural manifestation, but there was a spiritual manifestation that started it. When Luther stood up, and he stood up to protest the Catholic Church, he was one man under the man anointing. Now remember, you can do nothing outside of the anointing that God sends for your age. That's the only way you'll overcome. You're not going to use a man anointing in this age. You're not going to use your shrewdness. You're not going to use your mind, your intellect to overcome. It's going to take the eagle anointing in this age. You're not going to take an ox anointing and just bear it. You're not going to take a lion anointing. That's not where we're at. But Luther, one man, yielded to God, and he went forth, and it started a war. I don't know what happened when the Pope finally got Luther's books. And he says, and he talked about, uh, uh, you know, all the things that were happening, how popes were evil and stuff. I, I mean, I, I bet you the gasket went off. He had to loosen his frock and his coat and go, who is this German monk? And God took a German to do it. Can you believe that? Now, I, but it was not just a German, and it was not just a bullish nature. It was an anointing. And so that anointing had actually been in a minor form on Huss a hundred years earlier, but it jumped on others. Now, there became perversions of it around Luther. There was many who took the militant part of Luther, and they actually destroyed a war and destroyed hundreds of peasants because they didn't stay focused. Now... In this message, don't think for a moment that the enemy is content just to let us come to church. Around this message, you've seen things rise already. You've seen kingdoms rise. People use the message for, for territory, for following, for control, for money. They use it for all kinds of things, but it doesn't take away from what we're here for. That's there. I've got to follow the Lord. I've got to follow what I'm doing. Keep your eyes on the, on the ball. Don't be discouraged because somebody you knew fell or somebody's off in this. They might come back, but you've got to stay on your territory. You've got to follow where you're going. Now, Brother Adam would say this. This is in the first seal. God takes the messenger of that with the elect of the age. He lays them asleep. He drops a plague on those who rejected it. Lord willing, will come to that on next week. In a temporary judgment, after that's over, they denominate, they go into denominations, and they get into a scrapple again. Then another mystery comes forth. Another messenger arrives on the age, and when he does, a trumpet sound, and he declares a war. Now, he said, Brother Adam would say, when he's laid away, the plague falls, spiritual death hits the church. Oh, it's a great plan until it comes to the last angel. He has no certain mystery, but he gathers up all that's been lost in the other ages, all the truths that wasn't fully revealed yet as the messenger comes, and then he reveals those things in his day. And then Brother Branham says, and if you want to read it, here it is, Revelations 10, 1 to 4. We are now under the sound of the thunders. I'm not going to go there further on that. But I, I just want to take the principle. Remember, the days of the seventh angel, blasting forth a trumpet to finish his mysteries. Now, if, if, if we make our battle 
you got to have the right baptism. And that's all we battle. I don't think we're actually really covering the gate properly. Because it's much bigger than that. If we make our battle, and we make our battle, well, I'm against what's going on in the, in the world, the morality of the people and how they're dressed. Okay, first of all, we're not reformers. We're not under a reform age. We're under a restoration message. And the restoration is that the original seed, the original word must come back in a people. Don't get distracted by what's going on around you. Keep the focus. Now, it's, so it's not just one aspect of the message. It's not just about and, and, and Brother Bram says, if a messenger comes and he's preaching the same things, uh, or he's preaching, preaching something, and it's the same old school of thinking, that's not God. So if somebody comes in just preaching Pentecost, that's not God. It's not just gifts. It's always a part of the church, but that's not our focus. Our focus, and I'm not, listen, I, I don't want to say this the wrong way. We need to be open to whatever God wants. If God wants to move through somebody, a prophet, I said, I'm all for that. But it has to be subject to the whole. It's not the main emphasis of what we're doing. Our emphasis is one thing. That is to vindicate Malachi 4. It is to vindicate Revelations 10.7. It is to vindicate John 14 verse 12. And when we say vindicate, that may mean repeating it with your mouth, sending out the message. But Lord, let it live in me. Let the life come back into me. That, let that be my focus. Okay. You know what? This was all under part A introduction. <laughs> my goodness. And how did I end up here? Okay. Thank you, Brother Glenn. Appreciate that. I'm gonna, I, I want to just take a little bit on natural types of spiritual, and I want to get to a little bit of a slideshow. Brother Branham would take a message, and he would speak in 1965. It's just a 50-minute-long message. But I watch how God deals with him. In the latter years of Brother Branham's ministry, in the last six or seven messages, he used this phrase quite often. Seed gene. He came back to that very often. Now, it's not my focus, but I say, this wasn't Brother Branham figuring these things out. This was God moving a vessel who was yielded. And we need to recognize, we're not going to figure this out, but God move us, move this church, move me in the path that you're moving. And, and so in 1965, a little earlier in, in the Los Angeles series, I believe, he preaches a message, one in a million. And he talks about the seed. And he says, he was looking at, he was out at Brother Argenbright, I think, at a, at a farm, and he was looking at how the bull and the cow and how they come, and they had a microscope, and they could see how the seed would come in. It said, now, this is a great thing that takes place because there is one egg that is fertile waiting for one germ out of a million. No one can tell what that germ is. The seed comes from the male. And he says, or which egg it is. 
Now he says, if you watch the natural birth, it's a mystery more so than the virgin birth. In this sperm, there's one that's predestinated to live and the rest of them will die. Now, think about your natural birth as, as we read this. And he says, it isn't the first one that meets the egg. There might be an egg way at the back, raise up, fight over all the other ones, crawl the same. The germ crawls into that leg, the little tails drop off, and there starts a spine. And there it is, one in a million, all the others perish. Now, I don't know if you ever thought about this, but the fact that you made it to this life, that you're here today, you've already beat the odds. There's... There is 999,999 that did not make it, but you made it. So if the devil ever tells you you're not going to make it, say, I've already made it. (laughs) God got me here. He'll get me home the rest of the way. (laughs) I'll tell you what. God knows how to watch over his word. And Brother Branham, he would take pains in the message. He said, now there's some unknown force, some unknown thing, and it determines also if that is a Boy, a girl, red-headed, black-headed, it's determined by God. There's one ordained to life, one in a million. And Brother Branham would then type it spiritually. Out of, out of Israel came to Egypt, came out of Egypt. There was only, there was approximately two million, but only two made it across. And he said, what was the test? They all drank the same rock. They all ate the spiritual manna. And I'm talking about focus, but they were tested by the word. Not by what they saw. Ten spies looked at the conditions. They looked at the land. But two of them focused on the word. The promise is ours no matter what it looks like. And they stilled the people. And God, Brother Ram said, it's one in a million. Now, I could get into predestination. I'm going to jump ahead of some of this. Where are we at? Okay, I need to go to... The PowerPoint. Brother Ethan, can you put that on? I'll have to meld these services together a little bit differently, but I want to give a bit of an overview. And uh, I I enlisted a friend of mine. Some of you brothers who are part of a study will recognize some of this, but I want to give a bit of an overview and look at the natural and the spiritual. And I want to you to consider just this, and I'm going to bring this in in a better way next week because of the part I want to get to. The world is headed to an Armageddon, naturally speaking. Okay? You say Armageddon, people, when the Q8 war hit, people said, is this Armageddon? The world fears what's coming. But Armageddon, and the Lord willing, next week I want to speak on Armageddon, the final gate. Because there's a natural part to Israel that they're going to come to this final gate, but they're going to overcome. But Armageddon is there naturally speaking. It's, it's going to be, involves all kinds of things. Part of that also involves Revelations 19. I'm not going to get into it today. But I want to read what Brother Bram says. I'm just going to pick up a couple parts. He says, this is in the early ministry. It says, it talks about the walls of Jerusalem. This is the natural part. And it says, he will return to the Jews again. And when the battle of Armageddon takes shape, here he calls the Gentiles. He takes a people out for his name, his bride. So there's an intertwining here. I want you just to pick up on this and let this seed uh, permeate. I was saying a while ago, the negative and the positive. Now, I'm just taking the yellow words. Russia will come down 
and say, we've got to have that stuff. Brother Ram, I'm using a place. They'll come down for the oil. That's uranium and everything that's there. We got to go get it. And as they go down, then will be a battle of Armageddon. So you can watch all of this, but we're not going to be here for natural Armageddon. Okay? And I'm, I'm, I'm saying this all for a purpose. I won't conclude this today. In Daniel 70 weeks, he says, watch what takes place, the pouring of the vials, the woes, the unclean spirits like frogs. Watch how these things, how they fit, how, how they're, um, those plagues and exactly what they're poured out. Every time a seal opens, a plague pours out, a destruction comes, carries right onto this. Watch these prophets, these two prophets, Revelations 11, in the middle of the week, they're cut off. It starts the battle of Armageddon and then God begins to speak himself. So, in this battle, God's going to raise up, naturally speaking. Listen. And he says, then he stands and begins to fight. Who's fighting? God is. The, the, the prophets are striking the earth. They're preaching the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus. They're baptizing. They're doing all these things. This is a book that's out by an author. And he, he looked at history and he looked at and he called this the indestructible Jews, a natural people. These pieces, it's amazing how you go back in history, there's the Jewish people back here, there's this kingdom, but it's gone, the civilization is just dust. There's other kingdoms, there's other nations, greater in might, greater in power. But they've fallen, they're nothing anymore. But there's one group of people on the earth, they just keep bobbing up. They just keep popping up all the time. That's the natural seed of Abraham. If that's the natural seed, what about the spiritual seed? They're not going to be defeated. So he is, is, the author goes into it. He brings different things. And, you know, he's, he's talking. There's a manifest destiny. But, but this saying comes. The Jew is at once alienated and indestructible. He is in exile from his own country, and yet in exile even from himself, yet he survives the annihilating fury of history. Prevailing seed. It will never be defeated. Now, Brother Branham would say, I wasn't against Germany, I wasn't against Nazism, I wasn't against... So he says, I wasn't against Germany. Naturally speaking, I was against the spirit of Nazism. I wasn't against the Italians. Oh, and all the Italians said, thank you. I was against fascism. And he says, I predict there's three isms, fascism, Nazism, communism. They'll all wind up in communism. Keep your eyes on Russia. It all, she'll wind up in communism. And it'll finally wind up in Catholicism. Remember, it'll wind up in Catholicism at the end of time. That's right. That's at the Battle of Armageddon. He says, Right over there where Christ comes himself. Now, I'm, 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 I'm bringing, I'm, I want you to see something, but I want to be able that we can see ourselves. So it's not just natural because Catholicism intertwines spiritually, even as it is now. What's your enemy, friends? What's pushing the buttons of all the world leaders? What's pushing the buttons of the gold and what's pushing the buttons of the bonds and all these things? That's what you have to watch for. 
He goes on to say, three unclean spirits to set the world to Babylon. I'm going to come back to that next week. Uh, I'll come back to this next week too. Um, this is interesting. I, I, I've, I've read, I thought about this many times. Brother Ram in Ashamed. He says, don't be ashamed of him in this generation. It's the last generation that'll ever be on the earth. It's sinful. It's adulterous. It's full of putrefied sores. National politics is filth. Nations are broke up. Way back in the jungles of Africa on safari hunters, they have high-powered radios to hear Elvis Presley and them guys with the rock and roll twist. And then the natives tried to see them act along, jerking their heads, acting like that. The natives stood and looking at him. But you see... They're not Americans like Pat Boone and Elvis Presley and them guys are. They're not Judases of that type, but they're caught up with the spirit. He said, see, it's a spirit. The spirit is not only America. It spread itself out over the world to bring them to a battle of Armageddon. Okay. Let me, let me now take this a little further. I'm going to jump, jump ahead the seven church ages opened the ages, both with history and the Bible set them in position. I want to give you an overview here. Uh, I'm going to skip these. Okay, this is a timeline. This is showing the history of the world. There is Adam and Eve. There's 2,000 years, Noah's Ark. Another 2,000 years, Jesus Christ. Another 2,000 years, this is the age we're at now. This is the rapture. Then 1,000 years is going to come a millennium. And then after that, Revelation 21, eternity begins. Now, that's easy. I want you to just look at this a little bit. The first 2,000 years, these are the events. There's Genesis, there's the fall, uh, and really, we don't know how long it was before that, because that's when time was ushered in. But 2,000 years up to the time of Noah's Ark, it looks like if you really examine there wasn't a whole lot happening. The first 2,000 years was written in Genesis chapter 1 up to Genesis chapter 9. And that's a third of the world's history almost. But I, I want you to see where we're living in the economy of God. Now, if you look at this, the second 2,000 years, there's Noah's Ark. And after that, Nimrod founds Babylon after that, God calls Abraham, then there's Moses, then there's David, then there's Daniel, and then it comes all the way, and there's intervals here, it comes all the way to Jesus Christ. Now, if we overlay that a little bit, this is down below, that's the Babylonian Empire, Nebuchadnezzar, then there's the Persian Empire, then there's the Empire of the Greeks, then there's the Roman Empire, that's still going in fulfillment of Daniel's vision of the head of gold. So that brings us right to where it's at. These are natural events. But remember, Rome, Rome that was, became papal Rome. It, 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 papal Rome became, sorry, papal Rome moved up to spiritual Rome where it's at now. So I want to take this. Now we're into the last 2,000 years. So here is seven church ages. This is the stars to the age. This is the years that they are. This represents the circles of every age. But the white represents the elect that came out of that age. So in the first age, there was a whole lot. There was more, less, less, less. Almost blanked out, almost extinct, but it came out. And it comes down to the end, and then it goes into total blackness. I, I won't finish this today, but I'm saying this because God's seed always possesses the gate. 
masterpiece message. I'm, I'm going to just say this for a minute. If you follow the message through, Brother Branham would talk very often about there be a persecution come upon the church. There'll be more that'll give their life's blood. And yet, as he comes to 1964, he comes and he comes and he has a vision of a bride. And in the vision, he sees the bride, but then he sees the church and where the church is going to, and then he sees the bride come into view again. After that message, he preaches the masterpiece. He preaches the feast of the trumpets. He preaches recognizing your day and its message. And you watch how the Spirit leads him. It starts to lead him into something else where he's, he's diversifying the natural and the spiritual. Now, I'm, I'm, my thought a little bit is, before there's ever a natural Armageddon, there has to be a spiritual one. Because the 200,000 demons that are, were unleashed against Israel are also unleashed against the bride. Brother Bram says, not the church, the bride. What is it coming against? Correct baptism. Your doctrine of predestination. The things you stand for, they're trying to water it down continually. That's our battle. I'll tell you, why is it important to stand? I can't go with this, friend. I can't go with this. Because this is my focus. Amen. It's got to be all the word. It's got to be every part of the word. Amen. Now, masterpiece message. Brother Man refers to this scripture. Except a corn of wheat falls in the ground, it abides alone. The first church was that reproduction, that bride, that seed, that word made manifest that fell into the ground it laid at Nicaea. Then he says, listen church, the nations that hear this, this is your dirt, it's them, there is your dirt, that's them denominations. That's where the word was crucified and they accepted dogma. For hundreds and hundreds of years of dark ages, the power and the manifestation of the word was hid from the world, only Catholicism ruled. Now I'm just coming back to a point. Now you can't hide a germatized seed. It's got to come forth. When you go and you die to your ideas, when you die to yourself, when you die to the things that you hold to, oh my, there's a part of this that's, that's actually personal. Let me finish reading. The great sculpture is on the job. He's going to build again the seed that went down the word. Now, there, there's a part of our lives, we are a three-part being. We have gates within us. Your flesh has five gates. Your, your whole being is there. But you, you can't enter in except those five gates. And the enemy has, we're unredeemed in that level. But the spirit man also has five gates. And, and in those five gates, and I won't draw a graph and show you all of that, but those five gates, they are entrances. That's where the greatest battle is ever fought. And in the soul, there's two gates. Thy seed shall possess the gate. You don't possess it in your flesh. You don't possess it even in your spirit. But you got to go all the way to your soul. In my soul, I believe no matter what my spirit tells me, no matter what my emotion tells me, no matter what anything is doing, I follow what the Word says. And, and the book of Proverbs would say in one place, a man that doesn't have the rule of his spirit is like a city with the walls broken down. If you can't, if the faith in you can't manifest in a life, it's not really the Word made flesh yet. 
That's a gate you're promised to possess. So before you get frustrated, discouraged, upset, all those things, angry, before you get all those things, you got to say, hold on a second, this is a gate I've been given. I am not subject to that kind of torment in my life. Oh yeah, it's all around me. But this is not Christ. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my soul. Now, this is the seven church ages from the time of Jesus. But each of those church ages were messengers. I'm, I'm just going to be about another five minutes, so just stay with me. Or that. But underneath that, there was a first seal, a second seal, a third seal. Now, the first seal actually happened... We read about Ephesus, the church, the characteristics, the messenger, Timothy, what was the spirit of the age, but we didn't catch what the first seal held, which was the spirit that was behind it. So the seals were broken back here, but it actually revealed what happened under the first and second age. Then the the second seal was broken, it actually revealed. So what would we see? We would watch the tactics of the enemy. We would see his spirit, because in the last age, he unleashes all these things against us. He's up against us in a manner like never before. So you see, there's these four horse riders, the third seal, the fourth seal. The fourth seal actually carries in beyond the rapture. Because it's beyond the rapture that the fourth seal, that's when political powers, that's when um, demon powers, religious powers come to bear, and that's when the world receives their antichrist and he starts the horse ride. That, that's, that's really it. Now, I, I'm going to just jump past that. Now, if you take those first four seals, then there's the fifth seal. Under all this time, the fifth seal was there. The Jews were blinded so that the Gentiles could come in. So that happened into all that time. Then under this is the sixth seal, the tribulations and the judgments. They come to their fullness back here, but they actually started back there. I won't get into this fully today. Now, this is the one, seventh seal. It actually starts back here when somebody comes down in Revelations 10. Just like Jesus comes down in in Armageddon, uh, naturally speaking, In Revelations, remember, the seventh trumpet is to Israel. The natural part is what the seventh seal is to the bride. So Jesus comes down. What is, who's the mighty one in our midst? It's not the mind of man. It's not the shrewdness of a preacher. It's an anointing. It's the word. It's the quickening to what you're doing. If anything's contrary to that, don't get distracted. I, I, I was reading here in Possessing the Gate, and Brother Bannon would talk, when trials come and the church gets all shook up, as it's so easy to do for a congregation of people when things don't happen the way they should. God brings tension into the church. Every son of God must be tried. He permits these things. He permits them by his own will to see if you're truly the seed of Abraham. He can, he can throw you on a bed of affliction. He can turn your neighbors against you. It's God's will. He, he does all these things. But don't let that deter you. Stand alone, though he slay me. I will trust him. Men are not infallible. God is. If you get your mind on a man, he'll make a mistake. Not willfully, but he'll do it. God permits him to do it so it can shake your faith away from the man. So before you elevate heroes of men, this is the one, this is the one. We appreciate every gift. 
But if you put too much on the man and not on Christ, the Word, friends, we're seeing him come into glory. We're seeing him rise into his position. Let's quickly wind this up. Seventh seal. Behind there is the rapture. Three and a half years of tribulation. Then comes the battle of Armageddon. After the Armageddon comes a thousand years. One more. After a thousand years, then we, we come into this place where there's the battle of Gog and Magog. After that comes the great white throne judgment. After that comes eternity. If you examine what happened in the first 2,000 years versus what's happening right now, where we're at in history, what we're fighting for, what this is all about, I'll tell you what, this is worth fighting for. This is worth giving your everything for. This is God's great plan. We ought to put everything we can into it. We'll stop that there today. You can turn the PowerPoint off. Musicians can come. I I really had a bunch of other things for today, but I'm going to bring it over into next week. There's a whole part I want to get into. Let me love the Lord. This was a bit of an overview, but I, I want to just remember what our title is. Focused on possessing the gate of this day. We're going to have to find a way to navigate. We're going to have to find a way to get through the things that are around us. The gate of this day is not social injustice. You know, I, I've, I've seen in the message, there's a church that I'm familiar with, they made it all about health. And they got the message, but they said, you got to do this also. That's not our battle. You, you can say, well, it's all about prosperity. No, it's not about that. It's all about the, the, the turf war that I'm under. This is my, my land and my... No, it's not about that. That's not the message. You know, you, you can take the agendas that are in the work, climate change. Yeah, I'm not, a, I, I don't like, I don't agree with it, but I'm not out there demonstrating against it. I don't like the things that are going on around us, but what's our focus, friends? I'm, I'm saying this all for a reason. What battle do we face today? And let me just close with this. You can read Luke chapter 14, verses 28 to 33. But they asked Jesus, what man going to war before he goes to war, checks to see what he's got, checks to see the conditions, and checks to see what he's going to win. We, our, our warfare, you can spend, you can be so engaged on so many fronts. They've got to do this, but we need to know our focus. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me finish with this quote. Seed is not air with the shuck. What is the secret of the message now? It's the Father's business. What is the Father's business? What is it? The wheat would cry back, the grain. Vindicate Malachi 4. Vindicate Luke 17.30. Hebrews 13.8. John 14.12. Hebrews 1. Revelations, the 10th chapter. The opening of the seven seals and the mysteries of God. How are you going to overcome? By the anointing that God sends to you. He says, even serpent seed and all these other things, marriage and divorce, all these other things, that's the Father's business. Are you with me on that? Let's stand together. Well, I, I, I really didn't get to everything I wanted to, but I trust I dropped something in. And, uh, and when the battle's over, <laughs> 
How many love the Lord this morning? Amen. And when the battle's over, let's sing. And when the battle is over, we shall wear a crown. We shall wear a crown. Yes, we shall wear a crown. And when the battle's over, we shall wear a crown in the new. Shiny girl. 